right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Andrew, you're pretty. Welcome to episode 346 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julia Gill. Today, there are five of us. We've got Andrew... You could say something now. Oh, I'm allowed to talk now? Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Mark is almighty Mark. Greetings. Lonnie, who made it back in time. Hallelujah. I'm here. Now uh, you say something, Julian. Revenge Lonnie. <laughs> and, of course, the voice of reason, Ken, 69 Blizzard on the board. All right, we're going to be doing part four of our KISS album MVP discussion. But a couple of news items this week. KISS did, of course, just announce their return to Australia in uh, November and December. And I think it's, what, six dates or five dates, something like that. Something um, like that. Yeah, I haven't really paid attention. You can find out more on KISS Online or Ticket Tech or uh, whatever the – is it Frontier? Yeah, uh, yeah, Frontier. It's uh, in one world. It's, um, it's six places, seven dates, November 14th in Perth. November 17th in Adelaide, November 20th and 21st in Melbourne, November 26th in Sydney, November 30th in Brisbane, and December 4th in Townsville. Townsville. That's that, that, listen, that's what it says. What it says. Why not? Make sure, make sure you get your tickets so you can get them canceled on you right before <laughs> the concert starts. Yeah, so that that's probably the the one concern going on about whether that is going to be happening. How realistic is touring, uh, returning? You know, going to be obviously countries sure. like New Zealand have handled COVID exceptionally well with a small population, an island, big fences cattle prods with high voltage um and the tour is not even going there australia has had some outbreaks but uh they've done a pretty good job of managing it again but I, i'm not sure where they're at with covid vaccinations processes and all of that so uh mark you were saying what you've heard industry-wise uh what have you heard industry-wise about the, the possibility or probability of touring re- returning well of uh- I've heard I've said it a few times, even on my own channel, that uh, you know, talking to Billy Shearwood and these guys that I talked to, and you know, they're yes, they're keeping their fingers crossed to go back and to do a tour of England for yes, and they were he doesn't seem very confident at that happening. They're and that's all through their business people, their promoters and managers and stuff like that, and they're they're even say I mean, you Carl Carl Palmer of ELP even said that he got directly told by all people involved in his business relations to just forget 2021, that 2022 will be the year to come back. I mean, they're thinking that it's going to be much better around those those times. The numbers should be a lot lower as far as infection rates, they hope. But they're saying that they just can't see it at that point being that well that people are going to you know want to go out in droves to concerts. So I don't know. We'll see, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a 50-50 thing. You have those you have people who want to remain cautious and not go into a lot of small places or confined places with large groups, but you also have people that are like I don't care what show is happening, I'm going because we've been locked up for so long. So, um we'll see. I mean, listen, it's like it's it's 9 months away at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So, um a lot could change in 9 months. 
Yeah, the over 65s are getting their COVID shots in California now, and Paul's already shared that he's had his, so presumably Gene, um, if he's getting one, has had his. And the whole idea of a COVID shot is that it protects you from getting really sick from COVID. So I'm sure they're perfectly fine with as long as they're protected from getting really sick from COVID of going back on tour. Um you know, they have said that they didn't want to do so while there was any risk to the audience, but probably hoping that a country of, what, 13 to 15 million will have, you know, pretty advanced, you know, pretty far ahead on getting shots out there to those who want to take them and have that, that additional layer of protection. And again, you know, it, it is about playing the odds and, you know... I don't even know where Australia is at with its, uh, you know, vaccination programs and whatnot. And to be perfectly frank, I don't really care where they're at. I'm not going to be going to the tour. I hope people who do, I hope it happens. I, I really do hope it is because I think if Menudo announced a concert in San Francisco next weekend, I would probably go. Um, a lot of people would probably go because they just want to go to a concert. Lonnie, would you go? You love Menudo. Do you want to go to a concert at this point so badly? Would I go? I I think so. You know, li- life's about taking risks too. I mean, I, I I drive 45 minutes to work every day. I mean, I I could get in a car accident and die on my way to work. Um, probably probably more likely than I would of of dying from COVID actually. So I'm not. I and I, I and to to further Andrew's point, I think I think people are tired of of cowarding in their homes. And I think when things start to open back up, there's going to be a percentage of the population that's going to be like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to I'm going to this football game or I'm going to this concert or, or whatever. There's um, going to be a lot of weird shit that you see at 7 p.m. now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and, and there will be the, a, a percentage of the population, too, that say, no, I'm I'm not ready for that. You know what? I, I can I can watch my I can watch YouTube or I can watch a DVD or I can watch the game on TV um, just as well as I can in attendance. So it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what factions of the population, you know, and where it goes. But, you know, like November, November is a long ways off. So, you know, let's let's be positive and, and, and hope for that, that things are at least on their way back to normal by then. And, and, and these deeds do occur. Voice of reason. Chime in. Yeah. I mean, if if the. If the band or group or whoever artist or team if it's worth it to me and things seem you know semi back to normal and most people have had their shots yeah i'll probably go to something um um i i would just like to ask mark on his uh his his news he got for what was it did you say grant parsons Oh, no, Carl Palmer. I mean, Carl Palmer, sorry. I get those guys mixed up, you know. <laughs> I don't know why. But uh, Carl Palmer, I said, did you get your Carl Palmer news from the Carl Palmer uh, FAQ site? Is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Actually, I got it from his Twitter, actually. And uh, I, it was also kind of verified through uh, some other people that I know through, you know, Yes and the Yes management end of stuff, too. So, yeah. Uh, that, just, to, just to answer my end of that really quickly, if you don't mind, I mean, about going to concerts and stuff like that, I mean, I would maybe risk it. I mean, I'm right now being asked to go to England in August because we're having our uh, big, like, 10-year anniversary of the Yes Music podcast happening in oh. August. And he wants me to go there because they're going to do a live broadcast from Yes Tour, which is a place in England where 
that's related to yes, more notably the Tormato record. Uh, but I, I'm I'm not really sure if I want to go, mainly because my elderly mother lives with me, okay, and I'm not so much concerned about me as much as I'm concerned about bringing something back and getting her infected. And I don't care what concert it is, that ain't worth it to me. I don't give a shit who's playing, you know. Mm. My health and my mother's health is more important to me than seeing a concert. I mean, that could happen any time down the road, right? So, I mean, that that that's just kind of how I sit right now with it. Yeah, and, and individual factors. Everyone makes their own yeah. decisions. Life is full of choices. As Lonnie said, life is full of risk as well. You know, you just have to balance it. Um, but there is a show coming that you're going to be able to experience. And that is the new, that, what a nice segue that was. Um, a kiss off the soundboard details have leaked out a little bit early on the usual sorts of websites uh, that don't follow instructions. So the details for kiss off the soundboard, Tokyo 2001, this has been heavily bootlegged. It's uh, it's a soundboard that has been out for years. It is one that sounds like crap since it's been sourced from the lossy webcast and I'm actually thrilled that it's coming out, and now that the details, you know, we already knew the details. Andrew got annoyed. Um, <laughs> now that the details are out, I'm looking forward to a proper, and I'm hoping it's as bombastic as a live recording should sound off the soundboard, with the Ace Frehley, Eric Singer lineup from 2001. Uh, does it float your guys' boat? Ken, we'll start with you. Yeah, I I pre-ordered. Um, so you don't even know what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I just followed Lonnie's lead, and I thought, you know, he he must know. So, uh, I, I I ordered it. Um, I see the Amazon thing. They took that off because they these sites, I guess, are, well, even Target, I think, put up theirs too early, uh, and so on. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm interested in that, and it sounds like it's going to be a series of con you know live shows so uh, i'm looking forward to see what else they'll do after that very basic packaging as it appears now from the mock-up so so who yeah. knows uh, what it's going to end up looking like because they did do a series previously and cinderella released one and it was very no frills um eco-friendly digi for the cd they didn't do vinyl for that uh, i actually had the radio show of that before it came out which was you know cool to then get the official product and kiss was lined up back then there i think it was nashville 1990 that was supposed to to come out or you know do correct me if i'm wrong because it's so long ago i think it was nashville 84 to be honest with you could could well have been oh, no 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 I, I i'm wrong totally it was nashville 1998 Okay, so that that was one of the shows that was uh, recorded for uh, a six-song overseas. Yeah, along with Indy and the other the other venue. Andrew, since you're speaking, what are your thoughts on Tokyo 2001? If it that does turn out to be completely accurate. So far, uh, well, I am I, I do apologize. I don't know what happened to my internet just there. That's why I, I just cut out. But uh, but listen, I mean, this is this is something that is a huge needed update. I don't know if you guys remember. But way back when we were talking about what was to be included in the Kissology Volume 3 box set, one of the shows that kept coming up was this Tokyo 2001. Mm -hmm. And for people who aren't hardcore collectors like all of us, 
this was a webcast put out by NHK in 2001. So all of the video and audio comes from this webcast and it really suffers from a 2001 webcast. I mean, this, there's a lot of scrubbing sounds. It just, it doesn't sound great. The band looks like they sound good and they look good, but this is something that needs an update. So if this ends up being the show, which I think it's going to be, um, this is something that's cool. I've wanted it for a really long time. I've wanted it for 20 years. I've wanted it since it happened because it was one of those cool shows that they saw and we got. Just a, a couple of, of quick facts about – a couple of frequently asked questions about this show. Rightfully so on the Kiss FAQ podcast. Uh, <laughs> this, this doesn't include the medley. The medley started happening March 18th in Nagoya, Japan. Mm. So, this does, so don't get excited. There's no medley in here. Uh, Talk to Me is included in here. And that I Was Made For Loving You did replace Beth in the encore position. But this is going to be your standard farewell tour set. You know, with uh, 2,000 Man and Shock Me and, and, and all that and all that stuff. Uh, no, no, I, I apologize. I apologize. No 2,000 Man. No 2,000 Man because that Talk to Me replaced that one. My, my, my apologies. Wait, no, this Beth? Is your standard, we're being ripped off. This is your standard farewell <laughs> tour show. I'm not going to get it. This is the band. And even fans that saw this leg of the tour says the band was on fire on this leg of the tour. They they sounded great. And everybody was 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 having a lot of fun. So this is a, a cool show to start up start off with, my opinion. It's not your Houston, it's not your Anaheim, it's not your whatever. This is something cool that has never been officially released by the band. Yeah. So uh, I think this is great. As far as all the listings going up and coming down, you guys aren't you know toy or action figure collectors. I am. This happens all the time in collecting where there's like. A page that either Target puts up just for a placeholder or something goes up by accident and then it's taken down a couple days later. So I wouldn't worry about it. This is coming. There just hasn't been an official announcement from the band yet. Fine. Lonnie. No, I'm excited about it. Um, obviously, because I got ridiculed on the FAQ and I pre-ordered it and I didn't know what it was. But now that I do know what it is, I'm I'm more excited about it because, you know, it's, it's the lineup that majority of almost all KISS fans didn't get a chance to see. There's only, you know, a handful of shows recorded by this lineup. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've all heard the bootlegs and they all sound great. And the band has just a renewed energy on the, on those that leg of the tour. So what a cool leaping off point if this is going to be, you know, a, a series of shows like this. Yeah, hey, here's here's this little gem from this lineup that no one got, this, that hardly anyone got to see. Um, so, so, you know, what, what a great way to, to kick it off. So I'm, I'm excited about that and I'm excited to see, you know, what, what may follow. So Lonnie, who had no idea what he's buying is really happy that he did now. I am. <laughs> We're kiss fans. We do that. Oh, new kiss product to be announced. Click buy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How long have we wanted this though? How long have we wanted something? Since like the webcast. Like time. We're like, it'd be yeah. really nice to have something that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but there was also a USA webcast from Chicago in May of 2000. And I was the first kid on my block that, that had broadband internet, so I was able to watch it. And I was able to go back and rewatch it for a couple of weeks after that. I would love to see that webcast still. You didn't capture it? Yeah. <clears throat> it, was two, it was the year 2000. I was lucky that I even got to see it. <laughs> Mark? Yeah, well... um. At first, I was kind of like ho-hum about it because there wasn't really much information about the whole thing, like what it was and stuff. But to be honest, when I heard that it was this particular show, I'm much, much more interested in it now 
because it is, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the lineups that I, I really, really love, actually. I, I think that that was one of the best lineups that KISS had, was this one with Eric Singer in the band with Ace still in the group. Uh, I, I I loved watching that performance when it was on, when it's on YouTube. There's, you know, it's not the greatest sound, like you guys said, but it's still, I think, one of their best performances as a band. And, you know, if they can go in and clean it up nicely, which you can do very easily with modern audio technology, uh, I think it could be a very worthwhile uh, album to have in the collection and probably will be one of my first excitable Kiss purchases I've made in a very, very long time. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm just hoping that soon it'll be on some sort of, you know, non-UK site that you can order from as shipping as a, you know, murder to Canada. So <laughs> I just be. think it was funny how pissed off fans were. They're like, oh, we got to order from the UK. I'm like, guys, it hasn't even been officially announced yet. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. So I think anyone who's been girding their loins waiting for big announcements, there are definitely things coming, and now you have an idea of some of those, and uh, hopefully that brightens someone's day. If it doesn't brighten yours, fine. Move on. Next thing. So uh, Wolf Mother and Tumbleweed are the opening acts for Australia, apparently. Whatever that means. I'm Wolf Mother. Either. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know Wolf Mother. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's get into the topic uh, 15 minutes later. Uh this is the wrap-up episode of the KISS album MVP battle. So we're going to start with Carnival Souls and go through... I threw in a few extra ones just because I wanted to. Um, I saw that. Yeah, so MVP for Carnival of Souls. Ken and I agree, so we'll start with Lonnie. Um, I went with Bruce Kulik. I, I mean, Gene and Paul were not really... It's been documented they weren't really that, that present during a lot of these recordings, and I think Bruce just kind of took the reins and it, it really it really shows when you listen to the album it has bruce's fingerprints all over it and um it, to, to me it sounds a lot like um at least song-wise it sounds a lot like what what bk3 sounds like in a lot of ways in my opinion and you know i i, I think bruce did a great job it's really you know and bruce gets to end it with 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 i walk alone just appropriately with i walk alone while he's in the studio trying to do this album with Gene and Pollard planning to kick him out of the band basically <laughs> so i i think i think it's carnival souls isn't my favorite record i wish it would have you know have more of the i wish it would, you know maybe if they weren't planning a reunion tour they maybe would have stuck with bob ensward be more in the sound wise of, of revenge but you know i i think bruce is definitely the mvp given the fact that he was just left at the helm to to uh to take over this album andrew I said Bruce as well too. I do have a question for 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 the panel here. Did anybody get this album before it was officially released? Oh, absolutely. Like, yes. A couple of versions like, of it actually. Yeah. Like probably a long time before it officially came out, right? Yeah. Long, long time. Yeah. So I did. I didn't. And when the album was announced to come out, I thought it was going to be Ace and Peter on it, and I thought it was going to be their last album. I mean, oh. th there's barely an internet back then, so I had no idea. So yeah. when I got it, I was like, what's this? Uh, but anyway, as I've grown and as, as I've learned more about it over the years, um, it is very much a Bruce Kulick record. You could tell Bruce poured his heart into this one just kind of like he poured his heart 
and fingerprints into the asylum record. Bruce is all over the asylum record as far as guitar work goes. So he's the MVP on this one. He's really the only member of the band that actually went and took this material and performed it with other acts that he's performed with. You know, the ESP Project, Bruce Kulick Band, Eric Singer and Friends, the, the Kulick Brothers. You know, they, they've performed a lot of these songs, Jungle, Master and Slave, and just it's something that you could tell he's really proud of. And uh, it's always cool to listen to Bruce talk about the Carnival of Souls record. So, yeah, I, I agree with Lonnie. Bruce is the MVP of this record. How about that Carnival of Souls medley from the Kiss Cruise? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Was I glad I was on that cruise for that. Mark? Yeah, well, that's a three for three. I also selected Bruce Kulick. I mean, there, there's no question in my mind that he's the MVP on this record because like everybody already said, he was the only one who gave a shit about this record. You can clearly see that people's minds are elsewhere in the studio when they're working on this. I mean, it, I think the photographer had to ask Gene three times to, you know, look up on the photograph that they were doing during that time during the, when you see there was a, that extra footage on the kissology there, Gene, Gene, Gene. And he finally looks up, you know, he, his mind is elsewhere. He didn't give a shit about the record. They were already looking forward to doing the reunion tour. And Bruce is the only one who put any kind of effort into the material. I mean, you know, the solos are actually really good on there. I think Bruce's playing is really good on this record. I mean, the songs aren't the greatest, but, you know, his performance is really well done. And I mean, if we're talking about MVPs, then obviously it clearly needs to go to Bruce Kulick on this one. Okay. Agreed. All right. So now that we've gotten Bruce out of the way, let's go to Ken. Okay. Well, I'm going to say, you know, I think, yeah, Bruce did a great job on it, obviously. I mean, he had to take a lot of the uh, work. Uh, but I would say, you know, Eric Singer, too, probably, um, even though he wasn't writing a lot of music, but he, it was him and Eric, you know, you know, doing a lot of the work in there. Um, but having said that, I chose Gene. Um, I think the music that he brought to the table on this album was, I like all of the songs, mm-hmm. all of Gene's songs on this. I think they're all really stellar songs. And he's in, you know, fine voice on it. Um, and, uh, you know, come on, you know, hate this is great. Um, I didn't mean to rhyme that, by the way. Um, uh, but, you know, Childhood's End, I love that. Um, in my head, uh, I love Seduction and Instant. I think that's just a, it's a good great, it's different, uh, but it's so cool. Um, so I, I think he's on, you know, this dark kind of music is meant for gene uh, that's why we're not talking about paul at all because paul it just it just it, it just did not fit paul at all um i think i like two of paul's songs on on this album um but uh yeah it, it's to me it's gene um it's just a solid um album for him with it's uh, great material great performance i went with gene so that someone would agree with ken and so Ken wouldn't be able to see that no one ever votes for Gene. No, actually, when I was thinking about it, yeah, Bruce, I take him for granted on this album. His guitar work is fantastic. His bass is fantastic as well, since he plays a lot of the bass on the album. But for the exact same reasons Ken kind of mentioned, Gene's songs on this are actually sublime. I mean, I love Jungle. I do love Master and Slave. But then you get into stuff like Rain, um in the mirror and it's like paul this is not your thing whereas gene's really exploring kind of new areas and dialing in some fantastic songs i mean i confess 
is just fantastic. Uh, you've already mentioned Seduction, Ken, and uh, Childhood's End. I mean, just those three. Hate, I can, I can, you know, uh, leave or take. It, it doesn't matter. But I just really thought that his songwriting was so much more suited to this album style than yeah. Paul's. And everyone else is just a co-writer on it. And Bruce is going to deliver the same for whatever the product is, whether it's Carnival Souls, whether it's Crazy Nights, or Revenge, or Asylum. So, I mean, he's like all reliable. Just dial a Bruce. And he's perfect. But I am appreciative that he uh, kept the music alive. All right, let's move on. Next one. Psycho Shithouse. Oh, yeah. Let's start with Lonnie. This one was rough. It was rough to listen to. I, I loved this album when it came out. Absolutely loved this album. And it has not aged well for me at all. Um, it, was, it was very difficult to, to sit there and anchor it, get through. And I'm like, no, side A and side B. And like, oh, it doesn't get any better. Actually, it gets a little worse on side B. So I went. You had I two sides with, on that CD? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> But I went with Paul because of the title track, and it's my favorite song on the album, and it's the it's the song that that has stood the test of time from from the album is the title track. Um, and 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 Pledge Allegiance is good. I think they they wanted to do it on the tour, but I just I just don't think they could get it together to do Pledge Allegiance so much that they wanted to do it that you know those first few shows in Australia in 04, they did play Pledge Allegiance um, a few times. So I, I think they really had wanted to do that song for a while and just could not get it together to do it. So I, I went with Paul just for the for, for the title track and, and for Pledge Allegiance more than Raise Your Glasses, which I, I, I think is awful, which I liked at the time. But again, I it, it, the album has not aged well for me um, at all. So reluctantly had to pick Paul. Mark. Well, um, I agree with Lonnie. This was a difficult listen. Um, but difficult listen from the songwriting end of things, definitely not difficult listening as far as sonically speaking, which is the reason why I picked Bruce Fairburn as the MVP in this, because <laughs> I honestly think that he made probably the best sounding Kiss record that they've had for a very long time. And he's always made great sounding records. Unfortunately, the music that was on there was shit. And, you know... The, the performances were okay. I mean, again, you had, you know, ghost players on it and people non-credited on there. So it's, you know, a typical Kiss record in that essence, if you think about it. But, you know, the problem with this record, I think, is that it was so hyped up. You know, Kiss record, new Kiss record. It's going to be awesome. You know, we got the, the original guys are back. And then, of course, you know, it just doesn't end up to be what everybody was hoping for. Even if even if that was them playing it, I mean, it's still a, not a great record overall. But I think, you know, Bruce Fairburn really did a good job on it sonically. I mean, it sounds good. I mean, when you listen to it, you can't possibly knock anything about it from a production end of things. It sounds really good. The only thing that was lacking in it is having good material on there. For the exception of Psycho Circus, which is probably the best Kiss song that Paul's written in a long, long, long time, the rest of it is kind of subpar, I think. Yeah, totally fair enough. Ken? Yeah, well, my um, my pick for it was Tommy 
Bruce and Kevin Valentine. Of course, when we, of course, when it, of course, when it came. Uh, Which, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but which Bruce, Bruce Kulik or Bruce Fairburn? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, very good. Uh, Kulik, please. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, of course, we all thought it was going to be the original four, and uh, it would have been nice. I think it would have been a better album if they would have just got the original four in there and hashed out the songs together and tried to make, you know, a, a decent kiss album. What what turned out is a mishmash and kind of in styles on the album. Uh, it's not cohesive other than the production is cohesive, but the styles of songs, it's just kind of shifts gears um, here and there. So, um, yeah, and I think Psycho Circus is great and and Journey of a Thousand Years is great, but those are way two different songs. Uh, though they tie in kind of at the, you know, uh, <laughs> with the the solo and so on. Um, but uh, I, I have to say, you know, Tommy for pulling off his acisms, you know, playing lead guitars in there, and then uh, and Bruce helping out, and then hey, Kevin Valentine did all the drumming except for one song, right? Um, so. I have to give it to those guys because those guys are the came in and, and helped complete the album. All right, Andrew. I picked Paul just because, well, first of all, I still like this album, but I picked Paul because he was kind of the ringleader of the band at this time. You know, Gene was still off trying to sell Kiss toilet paper, and a lot of the Gene tracks on this one are left over from Carnival of Souls, Within especially, Within. which is the strongest Gene track. Um, Journey of a Thousand Years is my favorite, but it's just not a strong Gene track. If you, if you, understand, you understand what I mean. But, uh, but no, Paul had to kind of sail this ship. And I thought the tracks that Paul delivered are, are fun. I like Psycho Circus. I like Pledge Allegiance. I like Raise Your Glasses a whole lot. And I think Dreamin' is cool too. So you have four really strong tracks. And then uh, you know we're not going to talk about the ballad on this record. But uh, I still like it. I, I still like it. So uh, it's Paul Stanley for me. All right. Well, let's move on into the live album, The Millennium Concert, which didn't come out at the time that it was supposed to. It was expected to be the release in conjunction with the Farewell Tour, but it ended up, well, not How even being done. How many times was this, was this delayed? Because All this summer. was delayed. This was the yeah, but it was delayed. Like first, it was supposed to be out in March two thousand, and then it was like July of two thousand, then November of two thousand, then it disappeared. And then it was supposed to come out in two thousand one, then it was supposed to come out again in two thousand two. So um, and it eventually know, this, came out digitally in two thousand and eight. Uh no no there was a there was a physical release there was a physical the live set. the live box set the live yes. box set no oh yeah that was two thousand six yeah, the millenn- yeah so yeah. There, there was that a live yeah. box set and then it didn't even have all the tracks you had to go and get this bonus little EP from Best Buy that they it. had no idea what this was <laughs> it was a CD in a blank <laughs> white paper case no 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 no, no it was su- it was supposed to be packaged 
it was supposed to be packaged in the regular packaging as a Best Buy exclusive, but they buggered it up. So they pressed up those or put those discs in those little white uh, slip sleeves for distribution. They just left them on counters. So you'd you'd expect to go in with your receipt and say, hey, I bought the Best Buy edition. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, sir, here's your CD, you know. Uh, but instead of they're, they're on the counter, go ahead and take one, you know, and people would walk out with 10 of them or the whole stack and put them I up on eBay. I still never got one. I I've got a couple up up there, you know, one I bought and one I finally managed to get, I think, or I, I don't even remember what happened. But they really screwed it up. And then there was an exclusive for iTunes, which I think was uh, Detroit Rock City. Correct. Detroit Rock City. Uh, which Detroit Rock City is the bonus track for, I mean... It was all screwed sense. up, so they finally put it out on vinyl and digital, and they fixed the sequencing, which really helped. Oh, my God. Okay, Andrew, you're talking. Who's the MVP of that? Ugh. <laughs> which was the same answer I pled the fifth and refused to name one. All right, so let, let's talk about this record. I mean, we've already talked about the many delays of this, but this record we've heard we used to, we were hearing this record over and over and over and over. The God of Thunder on this record is the same God of Thunder track that they lip synced to on WCW when the Demon Wrestler was announced. Shouted out loud, "Rock and Roll a Night," and whatever other songs are there that they did for the Pixel on iBash. It's the same track for that. Um, and so we we were hearing these tracks a lot, and I believe the Rock and Roll Night was the same. Was well, the Rock and Roll Night was on the box set, but that's the same track for the Super Bowl, I believe too. Um, they just had live microphones on the Super Bowl. I, I don't quote don't quote me on that one. I haven't compared those versions yet. But we heard this. We heard a lot of this record before it came out. So when it finally came out, and I I was I was excited. I got that box set the first day it came out, and I listened to this, and I was like, oh, what is what is this? I was like, no wonder why they didn't want this to come out. This is, this is bad. This is really bad. And the songs were really slow. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple years ago, uh, uh, a trader, he sped it up by 0.5% and that makes it tolerable. That's the version I listened to <laughs> for this. And I just was like, Ugh. I kept on like, I kept on turning it off and going, is this something else I could listen to? This is a hard listen. It's hard. It's a hard listen, man. This one sucks. You know, you know, the MVP is whoever said, Hey guys, um, maybe don't release this. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Kept delaying the album. (laughs) Ken. Ken. Oh, you. Sorry. Yeah, I think I fell asleep. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't dislike it as much as maybe some of the, you know you guys do. I, I, it's okay. I I I gave it you know to I gave the MPV to the whole group um, because hey, on. they stand or fall on on that on their performance. Uh, they're the guys <laughs> up on stage. So this wasn't recorded on the stage. Well, whatever. It's 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 the four of them. So it's not. I call it their last hurrah. So God. You know, this is just I can't no, just stop. Just stop. There's nothing there's no there's no redeeming qualities about this. 
This is like we can't. I can't even spin. It's okay. This. Yeah. It, I can't it, even spin this. Like Psycho Circus. At least I was nostalgic because it was the first record I bought the day it came out when I was a kid. But you can't. There's nothing you could spin about this to make it go. Hey, you know what? I put that on. It's not that bad. No, you can't. Let, hold on. <laughs> let's let's. I and, and I hate and I hate to just I hate to hammer on this. Record, I somebody's got. Somebody's got to. I listened you, to it. I saw you. I saw you were listening to it. Yeah, Do you I remember? It. It's not that bad, Andy. It is. You gotta go back. <laughs> you gotta go back. Do you remember when when this was supposed to be announced and there was like all these random songs like listed Hard like Luck Live Woman. Four, Hard Luck Woman? We're like, why did they ever play that song? So then they were like, it's gonna be a pay per view and it's gonna be a you know a live. Go back to a live too, Andrew. If you're gonna start talking about that stuff, at least so that's that a song was, that's another. You know, at least that song was performed like in the era. I mean, they did rock and they did Hard Luck Woman at some of those early rock and roll over shows. They never played Hard Luck Woman when Peter got back in the band. Um. Further, furthermore, they said it was recorded in Vancouver on New Year's Eve, ninety nine, two thousand. Have you guys ever heard the live recording from that show, the bootleg recording? It's not that show. That's a shit show. Like, the whole band loses its sync when they came back from God of Thunder. Into the Void is an encore. I mean, just like hey, it's smoke and mirrors, Andrew. So you know, hey, get, some of the, some of the raps match. <laughs> some of the raps match, yeah. Um, yeah, hey, it is. It is what it is. I give it to the ace team, Peter and Paul, and you know, regardless of what Andrew thinks, there you go. Mark, what about you? <laughs> well, regardless. um, I'm gonna agree with Andrew. Um, <laughs> this is actually the absolute worst piece of garbage I've ever heard in my life. This is the one record beside when the when the reissues came out when they released the vinyl. I didn't get Destroyer, and we all know why, because it's garbage. And I didn't get this album as well, because I remember my friend, he bought it a long time, like when, like the earlier thing, when you, like the thing that Ken got, the, uh, the Alives in the Box set there. And when I heard it there, I was like, wow, this sounds like a real tired band at this point. Like the tempos are so crawling on this. I was like, oh my God. Like, like even when you, on the box set, when they put you know rock and roll night on there that version there just sounds like it's like oh like just it's it's crawling the pace is so slow like i i it just doesn't sound like there's any enthusiasm in the performance at all on there and i mean i went and saw them just like i'm sure you guys did too on the reunion tour and when they first came through in toronto on that first run there they were they were good they weren't you know they weren't dream theater or anything but they were great they were they played good. Peter had some good energy. The tempos were great. I really, really enjoyed it. But this sounds like they were like, you know, it sounded like they were touring for like seven years straight. And they were like, please, God, let this be the last show kind of performance. <laughs> you know, it, it's just terrible. I've never, ever enjoyed this album. And I actually listened to it the last two days in full. And that was like, you know, that was really hard to do because it was just so <laughs> slow, this performance. It was like, Man, it's just it's just horrendous, and I've I've never bought it on vinyl, and I never will. It'll never enter my Kiss collection. Well, all right, Lonnie, stick a fork I, in it. I, I I was happy to get it when I I was I was excited when they announced that that Kiss box set back in '06. I'm like, oh, finally, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get to listen to it. You know, that was one. You know, that was the reason to go 
to go buy that box set. You know, other than a live one, a live two on single disc, and that which was cool at the time too. But I was really looking forward to it. Couldn't wait to hear it. And I was just never been so disappointed in a Kiss product in my life. I don't, I don't think before or after. I was so disappointed because my expectations for it were so high. But what's but what's what's wrong with us? We're, we got excited when we bought two CDs, and then they're like, "Well." Here we're gonna give you the same shit on one CD. We're like, yeah, <laughs> one CD. I have to have that. <laughs> so, wrong with that's us. a great example. A lot of what's wrong with us. <laughs> Two discs on one disc. Oh, so, so yeah. I, I, I've never been more. I've, I, 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 <laughs> Losers. I said kiss. I said kiss when we submitted our votes because I, I said you know they all have to own it. But I'm just going to go with Andrew and just say, like, no one. You know, the, the guy who delayed it, the guy who kept saying, push this off, push this off. This is not going to help the tour. Do not put this out there as product. This is not going to help sell tickets. It's going to sell buy. less tickets if you put this out. So I'm going I'm to say the guy who pushed it back. All right. I, I said no one because I'm still butthurt about the Best Buy fiasco and the amount of times I went back to Best Buy and asked questions that had me looking like I was a three-eyed amoeba. Um, moving on to Kiss Symphony. Um, I could easily say none either because I despise Symphony simply because of the video being so bad, but also musically. I played French horn for years and could read music, and I just find the arrangements to be um, absolutely offensive compared to the bands that have actually used orchestra you know deep purple with orchestra, you know where it's actually been done properly. And I, I just think it's garbage. But just to not say none twice in a row, um, I did say Peter because he did get to perform Beth in, with a full live orchestra, which is actually pretty damn cool. So, um, Lonnie, back to you. I said David Campbell for, you know, he's the director for the symphony, just because something, <laughs> after Julian just trashes it. So, yeah, I went with him. <laughs> Um, I just just because it was for, for the arrangements, just and, and and no, they're not they're not mind blowing by any stretch of the imagination, but just which it is Kiss the, music, so they're hardly going to do mind blowing arrangements, right? Correct, correct. No, your so market, I went with oh, your him audience. Just by default because it's the symphony records. I went with him. I don't have I don't have a whole lot of positive things to say about it either. So I just went with him just because. All right, in search of more positivity, Mark. <laughs> well, honestly, I, the reason why I picked this person, which is Tommy Thayer, um, is because I, I kind of try to put myself in his shoes for a minute. I mean, yes, I know the video is horrendous. You know, the orchestration on here is nothing to write home about. I mean, and, you know, if you want to hear a really good live thing with a symphony, I mean, Julian brought up Deep Purple, but also the 2001 Yes, Symphonic Yes is incredible. But anyways... Uh, I think I thought back to Tommy Thayer thinking to myself, okay, here's a guy who's new to the band, okay, coming in, playing a very huge kind of concert, you know, and I thought he did a great job on guitar. I mean, let's forget about the horrendous orchestration. You know, the, the, the first part of the show where it's just them playing, I thought he did a good job on guitar. I thought he played it really well. You know, I have no complaints about it. He wasn't, you know, sloppy. He was very good, I thought. And that's tough to do. Put yourself in his shoes. You're playing in front of 40,000 people in Australia, you know, 
And you had those kind of jokers outside who were saying, if they don't play the whole of Elder, I'm going to cry foul. Like these people that were out in the crowd, you know, it's like, wow, like you're, they <laughs> were screaming murder. Yeah, yeah. Like this guy, like they should have slapped them like, for saying something stupid like that, you know. But it, it's it's unbelievable, like what these people were expecting. And he was in there in the eye of the storm playing this stuff. And he did a great job. I think as a guitar player, he did what he had to do. And you know what? Nobody was throwing eggs at him. Nobody was booing him and stuff like that. So I think that he really proved his mantle, I think, there. And probably the reason why he's been in the band for so long is I think he's a good guitar player. Yes, he's not Ace and he's not these other guys, but he's a good player. He can do this stuff well. And he probably gets along with Paul and Gene well. And that's all that matters to them. Andrew. I love this record. I thought it was great. I... I sought out a bootleg of it after it happened and i just thought it was fun i was like hey this is something really cool i mean is it mind-blowing no but it's it's fun when you hear that first you know orchestra task of detroit rock city you're like hey this is kind of cool uh i was lucky enough i they did screen the dvd uh in new york city right the day that it came out i think set three is edited the best out of all of the sets um, but there are, there's definitely, this definitely looks like something that came out in 2003. There are a lot of editing tricks that were going on in the early 2000s that are really apparent here. So um, I, I, I don't really, I don't watch the video much at all. I mean, maybe I watch it once every five years. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. I don't know. Uh, but we're only two years away from this being 20 years ago. That's mm. crazy. You can believe that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to say something. I, I do want to say something really positive about the DVD is that little documentary of them getting there uh, is actually really cool. You get to see I a lot of really. I watch that the most. You get to see a lot of cool footage. I think it's silliness that set three is on there twice. It didn't need to be two discs. They could have just threw that on the first disc. It would have been absolutely fine. Um, but there's something funny about that. You see when um, the band arrives. Uh, in, in Australia, and they're kind of just walking through the airport. Like, you know, you see Gene and Paul and Peter, and then you see Tommy, he's got dragging his own bags behind him. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny, like he hadn't paid his dues yet. Uh, but I thought this was cool. This Everything surrounding this record was cool. The two-CD digipack was cool. Uh, I did buy the triple vinyl that came out at the time. Um, the tour book is cool. It just, it for me... After the farewell tour, I really thought it was over. So when this was happening, I was excited that my favorite band was back. And uh, I thought it was cool. Is it cool? Was the set list the best? No, they could have probably chosen some other songs that would have went over a little better. Um, but no, this is this is cool. I really enjoy this. And um, as far as the MVP, it's Peter. He was happy to be back. And you could tell that he was playing with a little bit more fire on this performance than he was maybe at the last leg of the farewell tour so um yeah i like this i like this record okay yeah well um the the video obviously was not edited great um and but you know if you just listen to the music uh from the you know the album or cd um it's not bad uh i like it for it being different um hearing the orchestra uh or you know whatever behind it actually if truly though if you're gonna do an orchestra you have to put an electric light in front of it <laughs> um but anyway um that 
I don't think, you know, I think Peter, it was good. You know, Peter came back. He didn't have to. I guess it could have been Eric Singer and, and Tommy at that point. Well, you know? if you if you right? listen to the scratch tracks that David Campbell was working on, he was working on a soundboard recording. Hey, maybe he was using Tokyo 2001. We don't know. But he was definitely working on tracks where Eric Singer was on vocals for Black Diamond. So go back and listen to that. You'll hear Eric Singer. So maybe okay, it was yeah. supposed to be Eric. There you go. So, yeah, they didn't know if Peter was going to, you know, come back. But, yeah, Peter did a, a great job, and he was excited, and I think he pushed himself um, to, you know, keep in time with uh, the orchestra and so on, or symphony. Um, so, yeah, I gave it to Peter. Uh, I'm just going to say something about the Millennium Concert, Andrew. So, on the <laughs> just to throw it back, the Casteria came with the Millennium Concert. So I was going to give that to you, but now I, I No, you weren't. You don't, you don't like it. So. No, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. I don't have it on vinyl. I, uh, Unlike Mark, I will eventually get it on vinyl. I understand it's out of print now, though, so it might be uh, hard to come by. Ooh, um, have to pay but it premium. is one... What's that? You're going to have to pay a premium now. Yeah, that won't happen. Um, <laughs> but it, it's... Yeah, what? no, yeah. Um, man... Whew. All right. Okay, let's, the... let's move on and uh, go on YouTube and listen to Peter Chris from 2017 doing Strutter or Nothing to Lose with his brass and doing it right. And that's all I'll say. All right, Rock the Nation Live. It was only a video, but in some markets it did come with a bonus EP which is why I've decided to include it here, and also just because it gives us the opportunity to pontificate about something else. So, Ken, straight back to you for that one. Yeah, well, Rock Nation Live, um, I did see, you know, go to that concert when they, they toured on that. Um, yeah, it was a good DVD. I don't know if I have the EP or not on that. Um, but um, it was good. It's obviously, you know, invigorated you know, with Eric and Tommy uh, and Gene and Paul. And I think, you know, with them, Eric and Tommy pushing them to do some of the older stuff, that's, that's a big deal too. Um, so we were hearing a bunch of songs that we hadn't heard in a while and they sounded great. They really did sound great. I know in the video, you know, Tommy looks a little green, um, you know, on stage hasn't, you know, gotten used to being in the band. Um, but, it, it's great. It's really good stuff. Um, I like all of it. I like all, that's another one of those videos though that are kind of moved too fast too. Uh, I had a better time just putting on that one. Was it called view or whatever, where you can just focus on one. Uh, uh, power one power uh, power vision kit. Power vision. Yes. Yeah. That sounds right. Uh, where you can just you know focusing on Paul or, or, or Eric, which is cool. I thought that was a, actually a cool thing that they did um, because otherwise the video chops around too much otherwise. But it's the music itself is really good. So I gave it to Gene, Paul, Eric, and Tommy on that. And King of the Nighttime World, which was included on the Japanese 3-inch CD EP, <clears throat> was also included on the Japanese tour edition of Monster. Figure that one out. Monster. So that, that was my logic for including it. Lonnie? I love it, love it, love it. I love everything about um, all the instant live CDs. I love, you know, the, the three songs that ended up on the on the EP. I, I I already had them because I sought out so many of these 
instant live CDs that summer and the and the following fall and the next year that you know I have a, a mini collection of, of most of them actually from that tour. Um, actually, absolutely love that tour. That tour and this era of the band means a whole whole lot to me. It was I got divorced that spring, and that tour just just kept me going in life that summer. Um, I got divorced and. I told my brother, we're buying platinum tickets when they come here. We're going and we're meeting the band, you know, and I really freaking needed it at that point in my life. And it was the first time I got to meet Gene and Paul in the makeup. And it's, 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 a, I, I love it. I love every part about that tour. I love the set list. Um, I love the renewed en energy that Eric brought to the band. So my MVP um, for Rock the Nation was Eric because of the, the, you know, just the, the renewed energy. I saw him in 03 with Aerosmith and then seeing him that the next summer um, with Eric was just night and day. The stage looked, you know, the, the, it was a new stage with had like these little, <laughs> monitor, with these little monitors. And like, no, that, that's the same stage with, with miniature monitors. But um, but they sounded so different. Um, and I and I just, you know, I loved hearing Got to Choose and Making Love and and unholy and God gave rock and roll to you. It was a completely different experience than, than seeing Kiss that I had in previous years. You know, that, you know, I saw him, in, you know, I saw him here when I, I went to Memphis and saw him. I, I love everything about it, but Eric Singer is 100% my MVP um, for the, for this tour record, whatever you want to call it. Rock the nation needs to be released as an album because I never want to watch that video again. And I completely concur with what Lonnie said, Eric Singer. Is that because I'm in it? Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you'll still you'll still be in it, but we we we'll, we'll only it. hear you. So, Mark. Um. Well, I, I like this. I like this concert actually. Um. I never saw them live on this tour. Uh. But I have to agree with all the points that have been made so far. I mean, I think that the band is much more energized. The set list is much more interesting on this show. You know. I mean. It's a it's completely night and day from like Millennium. Like it's how Millennium sounds so tired and slow. This actually has some energy in it, some life to it. I mean, Eric Singer obviously has a lot to do with that as well. I think Tommy has a lot to do with it as well. I think you know when you add new people into a band, and even though you know Eric is not technically new, he's been around for a while. But when you reinsert people back that you enjoy being being with and playing with it adds a whole new dimension to your performance overall. And it's obvious in that right there. You know, I, I think that for me, I'm going to pull a Ken on this one and I'm going to vote the whole band for this one, because I actually think that they perform very well together as a, as a band on this performance more so than any of the other albums we've talked about so far. I, I think that they're, they're doing a great job and, and I'm really glad that they've performed some of these songs that they hadn't played in a long time, like Unholy. Like that to me was one of the biggest surprises, seeing a makeup version Kiss doing Unholy. That's like, wow. I mean, you never would have thought that before, you know, that that could have ever have happened. So I think it's a it's a great performance. I think Julian's right. They should put out some sort of vinyl release of this. Maybe who knows what this new series that they're doing. Maybe that'll there'll be a Rock the Nation tour show that comes out on vinyl from this series. Who knows? And that would be a great addition, I think. And that would be something that I would definitely add to my KISS vinyl collection. They got some kick-ass art for that DVD packaging. 
that would make a, mm. I would just love to see that in 12 by 12 and I can't remember if all the tracks that they used as the bonus edition EP were included on the video or not but uh, it would make it would make a great great release all right Andrew I made you wait until last for commenting out of turn there you go now now you now you may speak hey I, I'm gonna echo what Lonnie says what a cool summer this was I was lucky to attend both shows that were recorded for the DVD so I am on the DVD a couple times go and try and find me um, but it was cool I just I remember the excitement of waiting in line to get the instant lives uh, it, I did go platinum on this tour as well too I did meet the band on this tour it was my first time like actually getting close to the band I saw them in, in Hershey PA July 18th at the time I was 10th row center and that was the closest I'd been then two nights later I was second row center with my platinum ticket but this was cool. What I remember all of the excitement surrounding this on Kiss Online, how they would post the set lists. And I think the set lists were a little bit more varied in Japan and Australia before they came to America. But I remember just looking and seeing like what, what they were going to play. They were going to throw this and they were going to throw that. And so I remember when it came time to see them at Hershey, there was one song that was rotating. And they were just doing Psycho Circus. So when it came time to that rotating song and Paul started introducing Psycho Circus... You can hear an audible groan on the Hershey Instant Live CD, <laughs> and it is me, because I just I wanted to hear something cool. Uh, later on that month, I did end up going to see them in uh, Bristol, Virginia, which is Washington D.C. and Virginia Beach, uh, which is where the DVD was shot. Uh, and they played a little bit longer at both of those shows to put in all those cool extra tracks because they did do uh, All the Way. That's mm. on the DVD, right? No that's, on, that's, no, that's on the bonus Love EP. Okay, so Lover All I Can is on the... But they did them both. They did Lover All I Can, All the Way, King of the Nighttime World, Tears Are Falling, uh, and they did one Psycho? other song, I think. Psycho, and they did Psycho. They did all of those songs, uh, both of those nights, when uh, when they were recording um, they were recording material for that. So it was cool. It was fun. And I just remember we, we waited so long that to come out it was shot in july 2004 it didn't surface till december 2005 that was a mm. lifetime to wait for that a lifetime we had thought that it was going to be out christmas 2004 not christmas 2005 but i remember i was working at a dvd store at the time i got it two weeks early so i was just excited and uh uh, I love the video on this one. So this is one I go back and I watch frequently. It was shot in um, it was shot in HD, but there has never been an HD release of this. It's so, same with the symphony. Same with an, the symphony. An, yeah, a gap for both of those for possible reissues, depending on whatever business issues there on the background. The King of the Nighttime World all the way and Psycho Circus were the audio bonus tracks for the Japanese version which totals 24 tracks then with the stuff that was released on the video, which again would make a great vinyl release. As with this next title, Jigoku Retsuden. The <laughs> only, originally only released in Japan in 2007. It was the re-records. 2001? 2007 in Japan. And then, I think, I don't, God, get up, <laughs> what the? Live fact checking me. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now, whatever. And then, of course, August, it was in... August 27, 2008. Bam. Yes. Okay. It was recorded in 2007. 
Okay. <clears throat> are, are, is everyone happy? Uh, we have consensus. <laughs> everyone, is, everyone is happy. Hold on, hold on. You can't, you can't, you can't bag me. For we are uh, this is like the nerdiest kiss nerd podcast that there is, that is an offshoot of the nerdiest kiss website that there is. I'm not insulting that. I love the minutia. We're embracing so, being clear in our nerdness. Exactly. There we go. Exactly. All right. So does anyone have a quarter? <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I think so. All right. Insert it. Yeah, Lonnie, go. This was. I had. I was sitting at my desk. Doing show prep, actually listening to these albums this week. Mm-hmm. And as I'm listening to this, you know, I'm, you, you have like a column on iTunes that'll say like the last time you listened to to a certain song, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And like these songs, primary what I listen to most of anything is is on my is on my my iTunes account more than anything else. Like like most anyone. And I had not played any of these songs, not one of these songs since 2015. So a good six years since I've even just happened to come across one of these songs, even on like a shuffle or anything. Mm. And as I'm listening to this, I'm trying to say, well, who's the MVP? Who's the MVP? Well, you know what? It's me. I am the MVP for this album for sitting there and listening to this while I'm at work. Not only am I at work, but I'm torturing myself even more by listening to these re-records while I'm at work. And it just lacks so much feel and soul that are found on these original recordings and it's not and it's nothing against eric and tommy being in the back i'm not i'm not going to be one of those i'm not going to be one of the people to bash eric and tommy being in the band has nothing to do with it just is not there for me whatsoever and apparently not because i haven't listened to them in, in a good six years six full years of even stumbling across one of these songs um they're they're just they're unlistenable to me and and i understand why they did it because they, you know, they want the rights of these songs for for commercial use, but they're it's terrible. It 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 really truly is. I mean, as much as we were sitting here bagging Millennium, I I was gonna say I was the MVP for Millennium. I was actually gonna do it for that because I sat and listened to that, and then I got to this album and I said, no, 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 I'm using that for this album because it's so much even worse. Ken, oh. yeah, I picked Lonnie. I almost picked you, Lonnie. Um, so what I got, you know, yeah, this this came out. I remember uh, I didn't get the Japanese one, but you know, we got the one that came with uh, Sonic Boom. Um, and uh, wait, wait, what know, album did it come with? What, what album did it come with? Sonic, Sonic Boom. 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 Sorry. Okay, enough of that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I understand. You know, they should have never sold their freaking rights. Um, but anyway, so I gave it to Gene and Paul for the fact that <laughs> they realized that they needed to do something because Universal is going to get all the. You know the money for you know selling these songs to play and for commercials and whatever else events and stuff. So let's re-record them so we can you know you know cash it cash in on it. Um, that's of so course if they play those versions of them. That's if they play those versions. I think they. I want to say they did it on the like the Dr. Dr. Pepper, Pepper commercial. Yeah. Right. Right. And that and and. and. Um, 
then the pinball machine has something yeah. to do with it? Yeah. Bing, bing, oh, bing, okay. bing, 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 bing. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand it. So th- it works out um, from that standpoint. But yeah, like Bonnie said, the, these don't have the feel of the original. I mean, they, they, they did a good job trying to match, you know, the original stuff, but it just, come on, it doesn't work. So I just gave it to Gene and Paul for realizing it, that they needed to do that. Next. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, I, actually, the, the funny thing is that I picked Paul and Gene for the exact same reason. I mean, the, the, the performances, I mean, I'm not going to say they're horrendous, but they're yeah. just, they were definitely just done for the sake of having availability of getting some more cash flow in for other avenues of business. And they didn't want, you know, Universal to capitalize on those songs. And those guys are strapped for cash. So I can see why they did this. Well, (laughs) well, the the reason why they gave, hey, listen, they they gave up the rights to those songs because they were strapped for cash back then. That's why they lost it. You know, blames the stupidity of a coin and those guys for losing their rights to their songs, you know? And now, you know, they have to do something to at least try to get some money back. I mean, sure, they did, a, they did reaccumulate some of their wealth back. But, you know, the music business is a very finicky business. You know, something could happen tomorrow. They could fuck things up again and be broke again. You never know, right? So it's a good thing that they did it, I think, from that aspect. But you could never compare these versions of the songs to anything from the original album versions. And I'll even go as far as to say that even these versions are not as bad uh, uh, well, these versions are worse than the Destroyer versions of these original songs. I think the Destroyer ones are better than this. That's what's on here. So that's got to say something. But I mean, you, you listen to like I Love It Loud, you know, on here. I mean, there's come on. I mean, listen to Creatures of the Night version of that. Like, that's so powerful. And this is just like, okay, let's just play it in two takes and that's it. Whatever we do after take two, we'll just keep it. You know, I just really just think it was a one or, one and done kind of performance and that was it. And, you know, it's passable. Like you said, they use it on a commercial. They use it for the pinball machine. But it's not something that I think should be taken too overly seriously. This is strictly a business venture. Fair enough. Andrew? Let's just let's remember what was going on in the music business at this time. Because I don't think anybody mentioned this. There were so many bands that were doing this. You know, Def mm-hmm. Leppard, Heart. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of bands just doing this. And... And I know it's a big point of contention that people say, well, hey, they never should have sold their rights to the music. Did they ever have them to begin with? Because they went, they were on Casablanca, then Casablanca was sold to Polygram, Polygram to Mercury, you know, Mercury to Sanctuary and, and you know, to Universal or whatever. So did they ever have the rights to their music? Because I don't think so. I don't think Kiss ever retained the rights to their music because to them, it wasn't, it, when Kiss was their most popular, their musical uh, catalog was not valuable. So this isn't like a Motley Crue where Nikki Six is the prime writer and he wanted to have ownership of his music at the time. This isn't like that. I mean, these uh, Kiss was the soundtrack to the live show. I'm not downplaying the music at all, but I'm just saying that Gina Paul never saw the value in owning their own master. So I don't think they've, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've ever owned their recordings at well, any time. The, the thing is, for the most part, when you sign a most record contracts, the first thing the record label usually goes for is saying that we get the master copies of it. Unless you have a really good lawyer 
and can go in there and argue, which you never can when you first start. There's like no way in hell you'll ever get that. Mm-hmm. But unless you're a band, like for example, and I'm not sure Andrew, if you're aware of this story, but I mean, there was a story running around that when Poison first got signed, they agreed to the most ludicrous contract ever for Look What the Cat Dragged In on the condition that if they sold a million copies of that record, they could renegotiate their whole contract and the label's like, yeah, there's a million copies. These guys, no problem. We'll give you whatever stipulation you want. And guess what happened? They sold a ton of copies and they, they renegotiated did. the whole thing. That's the only reason you'll ever hear something like that happening for bands like that. If they're lucky or if they stay long enough where maybe they get popular and they have a little bit more power to get their rights back. But normally bands never get that option. So continue. Sorry. Yeah, Andrew. yeah. No, no. You're, you're 100% correct. And you're thinking exactly the same way I'm thinking. So uh, this was a business move. Not This wasn't Kiss being original in this business move. A lot of bands were doing this at this time this was just something else that kiss was doing to generate some income because let's remember they were pretty much inactive from you know 2005 until 2008 so this was kind of them just slowly going back in to do this now i know julian said it, it was recorded in 2007 i actually think it was recorded in april and may of 2008 because i i, I want to say that it was recorded after they started the alive 35 tour which started in march in australia of that year so i want to say it was recorded after that australian tour started so um but something that we don't mention and i can't mention because i don't have it i was looking to buy it today um but this came with a bonus dvd it came with an abridged version of tokyo 77 so this was a japanese product could this have been a product that kiss was going to tour japan behind I, i don't know but for the purpose of this show and what we're talking about here, I think the MVP is Eric. I think some of the drum parts are, are, are really well played. I really enjoy the versions of Deuce, Hotter Than Hell, and Black Diamond. Uh, I think I Love It Loud, I Was Made For Loving You, and Do You Love Me should be scraped off this planet and never listened to or played again. There's an extra little drum beat in Do You Love Me. But I, you know what? I think these are cool. This is something I listen to probably more so than any other compilation. Um, but aside from wanting to sell, aside from wanting to sell these songs for advertising and to be in pinball machines, what else were they going to do with these? What else were they going to do with these songs? There had to be something else, maybe a Japanese tour, maybe something. I mean, who knows? Uh, but if anybody has a copy they want to sell, please let me know. I would like to buy it. They could. Could it have been possible that it could have been for like a rock band situation or something like that? Maybe they were hoping for. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and you could be right. You could be right because some of those raw tracks from the Alive recordings ended up uh, in in uh, I think it was Guitar Hero. Was it Guitar Mm -hmm. Hero? Yeah. Um, But how cool would that have been? A Kiss Mm -hmm. rock band. Mm -hmm. That would have been. Listen, I would have bought it. I would have bought it the day it came out. It should have happened back then. Um, but I think um, I like this album. I do. And uh, unfortunately, I only have a digital download of it. So if anybody has a copy they want to sell, let me know. Now, if any of these vinyl gurus who are managing to do licensing deals and pressings of their own could get the rights to this and do a shiny Mylar backing cover, get rid of that god-awful, atrocious kiss logo on the front uh with the metallic one uh and press it up on vinyl that would actually be pretty cool especially if they could include the uh the non-vocal version of forever which was used down the phone later on that was used for one of the promos 
that would be pretty cool product, but I don't listen to this. Oh, you're absolutely right. I, I forgot about that. They used that version. So there was a contest in 2008 to sing with Kiss, and Tommy Thayer was the guest at the Kiss Coffeehouse, the anniversary party in September 2008. And to enter in the contest, you sang over the phone to Forever. And I forgot that they used that. You're totally right about that. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. And man, you know, I worked at the coffeehouse at that time. Some of the people that entered it were terrible. Oh. And it was that <laughs> was pretty good. That yeah. was <laughs> really? I, I mean, it's basically karaoke. I mean, you just expect to have Pavarotti when you go to karaoke. Oh my! Nice. Oh no, you guys! It was so fun to listen to. I mean, we would we would be laughing our asses off listening to those people. Uh, the guy that won it was in some metal band that, that was in there. And I just remember his CD was like always at the coffee house uh, after that. But uh, man, how cool. That was a cool time. That was a cool time. We're going to leave it there for this week. We're going to revisit the rest of the albums and some of the bits and pieces that I didn't include in yet another episode because we have hit the time limit that I like to keep these shows to. And I think Sonic Boom and Monster Wait, re- what? really Sonic require what? more airtime. Sonic what? Boom! Boom! <laughs> just can't, just can't do it. Um, yeah, so let's leave that there. What are your opinions on who the MVP is of these albums released from Carnival of Souls up to Jikoku Retsuden? Um, what do you like? What do you dislike? And of course, for the videos for that, uh, for the case of Rock the Nation Live. So let us know your thoughts. Who was right? Who was wrong? And did you get a quarter's worth out of Lonnie this week, or do we really have to agitate him a little bit more before letting him go next week? So there we go. From Lonnie, from Mark, from Ken, Andrew, myself. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Woo. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.